Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. You're listening to the Design Build Hunt podcast presented by Whitetail Partners. Here we cover all things whitetail property design, habitat improvement, and hunting strategy. Let's change your property for good. Welcome, everybody, back to another episode of the Design Build Hunt podcast. This is episode number four, and I've got uh, almost the whole crew on the line with me today. I've got Sam Billhorn from Whitetail Partners, Wisconsin. I've got Jake from Whitetail Partners, Michigan. I've got Greg from Whitetail Partners, Ohio. And we're missing Lee from Whitetail Partners, Tennessee, unfortunately. I think he's out having a good time with the family, though, so good reason to miss. Guys, welcome to the show. We're going to do a little bit of an intro this uh, this evening, so let me kick it off like this. How's everybody doing? Doing good. well, man. How are you? Doing pretty good. Anybody, uh, anybody been spending some time in the tree? Yeah, I've been out a few times. It's been good. I got the kid out. He killed a doe. That was that was really on. That was a lot of fun. And uh, I've got a couple times out in the tree myself. So it's been good. Nice. Nice. You guys had a youth season this weekend, right? Yeah, we did. Yep. Yeah, I passed on a doe here this uh, this last weekend with a rifle, but uh, got the one in with archery earlier on in the year. Very cool. Very cool. Greg, you spent a little time in the timber. Yep, I uh, I got to do some good hunting. We had a nice temp drop uh, in Ohio this last weekend and ended up finding a really nice green bean field just out of nowhere and uh, decided that that was probably a good thing to key in on for the weekend and ended up getting into some really good stuff. You know, we've seen a ton of deer, lots of does just up on their feet and uh, even some bucks. They were, they were through there kind of uh, touching antlers, making some sign. I seen them leaving scrapes and rubs and stuff. So it was just really cool stuff to see. Uh, you know, I always love watching deer be deer. So it's cool to see that. And if you're not going to go out there and, and get your target, at least you kind of get to just enjoy uh, what the cold front has to bring. So yeah, it was a it was a good weekend overall. Right, I was I was pretty disappointed. We had a nice uh, a nice cold front blow through here in the south, and it seemed like uh, based on Instagram, everyone killed a buck except for me this weekend. Uh, at least at least that's how, that's how it felt as I sat back and watched. But we did a little camping and. Uh, got to spend time with the family, which which is always good. But Jake, you guys have been in for I guess what is this day eleven of the Michigan season? Have you been out yet? 
Yeah, I've been out one time. So the same front came through Michigan. Uh, unfortunately, I was not able to hunt it. Uh, my son's birthday was over the weekend. We also had a, a family wedding. So my uh, time was spent doing other things. And uh, we uh, did end up getting in the woods on Columbus Day, though. So I think that was Monday. And uh, wasn't really one of the best days to hunt. It was pretty windy. So we just kind of sat on the edge. I took my son with me, watched some Watched some does uh, at a distance. Uh, so it was, it was a pretty fun hunt, but, but yeah, I didn't really uh, get into it yet. Looking forward to that in the next coming weeks. Right, right. Well, it's only going to get better from here, it appears, over the next couple of weeks. But guys, so this is our team introduction episode. And what I wanted to do was to get a little bit more information about each of you individually. Maybe how you each came to Whitetail Partners. This is kind of a of a ragtag group, right? We, you know, 12 months ago... Uh, we were not collectively Whitetail Partners, and now here we are a year later, and uh, we've got a fantastic team. We were just talking off air of how everybody on this team brings something very unique to the table. So what I'd like to do, starting with Sam, to just say, all right, who are you? How'd you get here with Whitetail Partners? And, and what's your big why when it comes to property and habitat design and management? Like, what makes you get up in the morning and eat, sleep, and breathe this stuff? What gets you pumped when it comes to setting up a client property? What is it about whitetails that captivate you and, uh, you know, have made this your profession at this point? So Sam, we'll kick it off uh, by heading over to you. All right. Well, thanks a ton, Josh. And uh, thanks a lot for organizing this here and getting everybody together. And, you know, to, to throw back, we've had kind of the introduction episode for whitetail partners itself and uh, the origin that, uh, that that is of, uh, you know, the, having been involved in this type of work uh, for a number of years, um, I traveled all over the place. I used to cover this, you know, I'd go anywhere for uh, habitat design and cover many, many states. And, and through this process, realizing that, you know, I, I wanted for myself to focus uh, more in the upper Midwest and specifically in Wisconsin where I live. And, you know, just that was finding the right spot for me. But also seeing the opportunity to bring uh, the product we had made, which, um, you know, we, we are heavily focused on uh, providing high quality plans and reports and really all of this process uh, customized for our clients, seeing how we could bring that to more people and having great relationships in the industry. Um, each one of you on the team, I, I had a relationship with prior to getting into the idea of branching out of, of having multiple people on this team and working together. And in doing that, I, I said, this is, this is the right time. And, you know, each, it was, it was really, really wonderful. Each person kind of came together, the skill set. you know, everybody has different qualities they brought. And yet at the same time, we're uniform, uniformly working under the same process of how we are bringing habitat design and consulting and now land management and other services to our clients. Uh, so, you know, started about a year ago, bringing everybody in and really getting systems set up and having it be a process for each of us as we work with clients so that they're having a similar experience, uh, but then folding in our expertise within our region, uh, all the things that we bring to people. And really that's been the focus of having regional experts uh, serving our clients. And that's how things have come together to this point. Yeah. So Sam, just, just, uh, we've alluded to this in other episodes, 
especially when we talked about the legacy piece in, in an earlier uh, podcast, what's your big why? Like what, what makes you get up in the morning and, you know, this be the first thing on your mind? Well, the reason I got into this in the first place was to, to do an exceptional job with uh, habitat design, planning, and helping clients develop their properties uh, unique to them. You know, I look at this and, and so much of what I saw out there was a uh, repetitive process of similar designs and things like that. And knowing that every single client is so unique, not just their property, but in their hunting style, their ability, their desire to develop their property, all these things uh, to make a really custom uh, plan, as well as uh, how we present it and communicate it and the deliverables and all the things that we talk about all the time. You know, I saw that we could do that so well. And then for myself, as we look to branch out, you know, I love teaching. I love working on, with teams. I, I was excited to bring, you know, each one of you uh, in as, as uh, doing those same things on, in your region on, on uh, the areas that you're working in. And I think that it's, it's been uh, really a wonderful experience for me to have all of those background pieces come together and see that uh, now in all the various regions that we have. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jake, we'll kick it over to you. Uh, newcomer to the podcast here. I've had you on uh, some other podcasts before in the past, but Jake, you are our uh, local professional for Whitetail Partners Michigan. So why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, how you got hooked up with Whitetail Partners, and then maybe your big why. Yeah. Uh, yeah. First, yeah. thanks for having me on here. It's fun to be on the podcast. But uh, I guess a little bit about me. Uh, I kind of, I've been hunting my, my whole life. My, my dad was taking me out uh, hunting when I was a, a young kid up in the tree and uh, always had a, a lot of fun with him. I don't really know if I liked, you know, hunting or spending time with my dad. I, I liked being you know, in the woods. It, it was a lot of fun. And then after I shot that first deer, I, I was absolutely hooked after that. And so it was just, I just kind of fell in love with the woods, fell in love with whitetails. And I think, you know, our hunting group, we were really uh, the, the stereotypical Michigan hunters. We kind of just went out to the woods, you know, had fun. You know, we saw deer, shot deer. It, it wasn't as bad as maybe brown is down, but it was pretty close, you know, <laughs> back, back when we first started. Uh, wasn't really until, uh, you know, 2009, like the 2009 season where we got introduced to, uh, a group that the quality deer management association. And now that's the NDA that we, uh, we kind of, it kind of opened our eyes to what was possible with whitetail hunting. And after that, we really changed the way we did things and it took a couple years, but after that, like we were really starting to see, you know, different, the, the quality of deer on our property, uh, imp greatly improve, you know, c compared to the, the neighboring properties. And that, that really kind of got me hooked. And I just kind of went down the rabbit hole with habitat improvement and just different things that I could do to, just to continue to improve our property. And then the you know, habitat design was, a, was a big part of that. And when, when talking to friends, family, you know, neighboring landowners, uh, just with like different strategies and things that you know, maybe they were doing on their properties. And this is again, like down the road from when we started. So it wasn't immediate, but down the road from when we got into it, you, you kind of got the sense that there, there's a huge opportunity for, to, to teach others that, that not everyone sees things the way that you do. And it, it's not that they, 
uh, you know, they're not good hunters. It, it's, I think it's more that you, you don't know what you don't know. And I, I just saw that as a, a huge opportunity to take what I have learned over the past decade and, and help other hunters here in Michigan. So, and that's kind of, kind of like, I guess, carry into my why, uh, I really enjoy the, the habitat piece of it going and improving the, the habitat on, on my property to, to hold more deer, hold a, a better quality deer herd, um, as well as, you know, apply a different hunting strategies. Uh, you know, there, there are so many things that we do so much differently on our properties now than, you know, 13 years ago when we pretty much flipped the switch, um, so just really going out there and, and helping other Michigan hunters and, and when you, I think, uh, I listened to your podcast, like the, the, I think you guys talked about this in the last one. This is a big reason for me too. When you help somebody and you put that plan together and they send you that first picture of the, the deer that they killed after you delivered that plan and they, they call you on the phone like immediately after that is like one of the coolest phone calls that you're ever going to get just cause you know, they put in all the work, like all the credit goes to them, but you provided them with that, with that plan, the the vision for their property. And it's just really cool to just be a part of that experience. Um, Another, there's, there are so many whys to why we do this, but like, I'm going to don't do one more. And it's, I, I know like one person can't make, make a change the state, but it would, I really want Michigan to be a better, you know, hunting state for older deer, like very few people, uh, maybe none travel to Michigan to go hunt deer, right? You're not going to go take your two weeks off when you live down in Ohio to go travel to, to Michigan to hunt the rut. You know, it's the opposite people in Michigan, they travel to Southern Illinois, Wisconsin, Ohio to go hunt those States for the pre rut and the rut. And it it is what it is. And like, I kind of understand that, but if I just want to try to, if I can help localized areas Im- improve their hunting by, you know, developing plans for them, then you word of mouth neighbor contacts, you do a plan for the neighbor. And so if, in maybe over time, if enough guys are doing this, we can flip Michigan around to be a, a, a better quality hunting state. So I would say that those are, those would be my two big whys. Right. Very, very good, man. That, and we all know we're all deer hunters, right? So we all know that that phone call, that first or second or even fifth phone call you make after you get a buck, that's an honored place. Like when you just think about the people that you make that phone call to. So when you're getting a phone call from a client, like that's that's not only uh, a huge win for us, but it's also, man, that's a pretty honored place. It's awesome to have that kind of an impact uh, for someone else. And like you said, they've done all the work at this point. Like they have, they have put in the sweat equity to to earn that deer but you know like you said teaching folks and you don't know what you don't know getting to be part of that process is is amazing so uh greg in ohio we'll uh we'll kick it over to you next oh uh, yeah so um i actually had a pretty similar upbringing that jake had i grew up in mid michigan and my early hunting days were spent heading up to our deer camp in michigan's upper peninsula uh, I, I went up there long before I was the one holding on to the, the firearm, actually doing the hunting, and I would just tag along with whether it would be my dad or another family member headed out into the woods, and that's just where I really learned how 
how deer use the land and just like kind of what it meant to actually like see deer out in the woods. And it also showed me like what the camaraderie and the brotherhood of a deer camp atmosphere was like. I got, and I think experiencing that from a young age, it kind of has stuck with me through this whole thing to see how much like joy and happiness, just deer hunting in general brings a group of individuals, you know, like for us, it was a group of guys. I was obviously by far the youngest one up there, but I attached to that at a very young age, uh, which kind of led to when I was a teenager being able to drive. Um, I remember still getting my first bow when I was 16, and this was even before still we had uh, Onyx on the phones yet. And when I had my first bow and my first truck, I instantly went online and tried to find the closest piece of public land to where I grew up, and I plugged in all the waypoints on my GPS and just started figuring it out. You know, I would go out and frequently get lost and not not kill a lot of bucks, but I would be out there having a good time. And that kind of just kept building and building my passion in the whitetail world. Um, my first job was even in the whitetail industry. I helped like a small local outdoor brand kind of get up and going, uh, with a lot of like marketing stuff and like product branding, just things like that. So I always just like seemed to find a way to be in this type of industry just right from the very beginning. And then, uh, I, I moved on and, uh, started playing college baseball and I kind of had to take a step back for a few years just because the time and uh, physical commitment to that journey was just something all on its own. And I just really had to not spend as much time in the whitetail world. And then once I graduated, um, college and I was done with my playing days, it's really been from that point on just like this slow, but steady, uh, passion that's just been building from within and actually like figuring out how to do it at a professional level and how to bring as many, uh, as, as much value as possible to everybody that I get the chance to work with. And really I would say the why behind like why I do what I do is just simply because I've had all of these experiences that I can think back on from such a young age being out in the woods, you know, like you said, like those phone calls that you get, whether it be from a family member or your buddy that just shot the biggest buck of their life or the card game that you have back at deer camp with the group after everybody's back from the woods telling the stories. And it's like those memories and experiences all started with like some sort of whitetail dream. And I now have a chance to do that on the professional level to like create those dreams for other people. And I've personally set a lot of like big goals around whitetails in my life, personally and professionally, which has kind of led me to where I am today. And I now feel like I'm in the position to like bridge that gap between dream and reality for people all over the state of Ohio and beyond. And that's just something that it makes me very excited to wake up and like think about having a direct impact on either a brand new hunting tradition or being able to continue a hunting tradition to the next generation. That's just something that like, it's very easy for me to just keep getting up and doing what I do every day. Um, any, anyway, any, anyhow. So yeah. yeah, that's, that's pretty much it on my end. That's really good. Well, I am, uh, I'm going to keep the Michigan connection strong here. So Jake from Michigan grew up hunting there. Greg grew up hunting in Michigan as well. Um, I grew up, my dad is from Michigan, from northern Michigan. He grew up going to, uh, up to the UP, to the deer camp. 
And I grew up in the deep south of Alabama with him telling me all about what hunting in the UP is like. And so uh, we started hunting there, and things were very, very different than what he was used to. I remember wandering around, you know, public land in Alabama with him, and he's like, why are there no deer trails? Why, <laughs> why, why, was that a deer that just ran past you? It looked like a dog. And I'm like, yeah, that was a deer. It was just really, really tiny compared to, compared to what you're used to up there in, in the UP of Michigan. But, um, but we, we grew up in the deep South and in the time frame that we were, that we were hunting and spending a lot of time managing these properties that we had leased, uh, whether it be, you know, a couple hundred acres where we started out or, you know, at the end, I think our largest lease was somewhere in the 36, 3,700 acre range. I mean, a very large property that we had the opportunity to manage. But a lot of it was just from a perspective of, hey, we're going to we're gonna do what's good for the habitat. We're going to do what's good for the deer. We're going to plant some stuff. It's going to be great. And then working with foresters to come in and, you know, burn the property and that kind of thing. But learning later on in life, like, hey, when you make an improvement, it changes the way deer behave. It's not just we're taking care of the landscape, and it's not just we're providing stuff for deer. This changes things. And so in my mind, I started to kind of drift. I'm like, now, wait a second. If, we're, if we really are changing things, then we can, we can improve the hunting. So, you know, for me growing up in our, our first couple of years, it was a huge deal to even see a deer. I think my first season, we saw three deer. Uh, I saw two during the youth season. And one on the very last day of the season, which I was able to harvest, it was my first buck. So to go from, from that to where we are now was just this, this huge change and being part of, you know, taking something that people love and helping them take it to the next level. Because, man, for us, going back to camp, it was always a conversation of what we didn't see or what we saw driving in or driving out. And it was never like, oh, so-and-so killed a big one. It was like, hey, I saw a doe with a fawn. You know, and that was that was really, really exciting for us. But then, <clears throat> you know, realizing that there were things we could do uh, to improve our hunting. We could actually manipulate the property and see more deer. We could actually hold off on shooting that young buck. And, wow, he's around next year, and he's bigger. Oh, boy, that's a, that's a big change. Um, we could stop, you know, back in the day for us, running dogs was a very big thing. We can stop running dogs through our property. You know, we don't have to send 30 or 40 dogs through the thickest stuff that we have. We could just let deer live in there and let them come out to us and we can make informed harvest decisions rather than just shooting at whatever happens to run out of the thicket. And so, you know, culturally for us, it was a, it was a big shift, but getting to where we are today and then obviously taking in all kinds of content. And then I met Sam uh, and got to be on a property with him and see his whole process with Whitetail Partners and and really see the way, <clears throat> you know, some of the habitat improvements have, have changed the way that deer use the landscape. That, to me, was this huge aha moment. And, you know, for me, I think the why comes back to helping people find more enjoyment in this thing that we all love so much. Um, I spent a lot of time as a kid really loving hunting, but missing out on so much because, we just didn't have a lot of success. You know, we didn't see a lot of deer there. <clears throat> uh, just the way, the way our properties laid out and the way we hunted was very sloppy. Um, you know, 99% of hunting for us was luck. We would go out <clears throat> and find a spot that we thought looked pretty and we would sit there and usually looked pretty means we could see a long way. And, um, 
so yeah, so going through that process and realizing like, wow, we can not only improve hunting, but we can take this to others and help them improve their hunting, help them to take this thing that they love so much and they're so passionate about to the next level and enjoy it all the more. That's what gets me up in the morning. Uh, we are missing another teammate, though, uh, from the south here, and his name is Lee Dixon. He's part of Whitetail Partners, Ohio. Whitetail Partners, Ohio. He's not in Ohio. Greg, you're in Ohio. He's Whitetail Partners, Tennessee. It threw me off earlier because uh, Sam kind of mentioned that Ohio could be southern, and I'm like, man, I've never heard anything in Ohio considered Southern, uh, until tonight, but, uh, you know, well, I meant, I meant that, uh, Greg could cover for Lee. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. So, uh, anyway, uh, guys, pitch, pitch it, pitch it. that's right. That's right. So, uh, man, we've got some, some exciting stuff coming down the pike. I'm curious though, maybe what's one, one or two things that you guys are looking forward to with this podcast. We've got all kinds of huge ideas. Uh, in fact, our next recording session, we've got a property breakdown that, I'm really, really looking forward to. I think our listeners and our viewers are going to get a lot out of that. But maybe what's one or two things you're looking forward to? Well, Josh, you jumped on it and stole my thunder. I was oh, going no. to say, I can't wait to start to diagram some properties. And no, that's fine because I'll just elaborate a little bit and say, you know, we pride ourselves on, on these designs. You know, that is right. really at the, the heart of what we're doing. And uh, I'm not. I'm not trying to hide it. You know, you're going to see a lot of plans on this podcast and we have it on YouTube and we're going to show what we're doing, what we're up to situations that work. Maybe people can get some ideas. Um, if they need help, they know where to find us and we can come help uh, their prop, you know, design their property too. But uh, I'm looking forward to teaching through this and showing examples and you guys have all seen it from me and it's going to happen. I'm going to get super excited and jump out there and, uh, start to go off on a plan and, and it'll be a lot of fun. So looking forward to that. Yeah. We've decided that on those nights we need to set aside three or four hours to record because Sam may just not stop. Uh, so uh, you guys better be ready. Lots of popcorn. Lots <laughs> of popcorn. Yeah. That's Those are going to be really good. And, you know, I, I think that's one thing that will set apart. Um, see how we can say this. Well, that's one thing that will set apart our content. I think from what we might see out there already is that um, there are a lot of people who are really good at, at talking about whitetail property design and habitat management, um, but they keep enough close to the, to the vest where you'll never really see or know what it is that they're up to unless you hire them. Uh, we're going we're gonna to put a lot of that material out there. You're going to see a lot of what we're doing on the ground, and I think you're going to learn a lot that you can take and implement on your own property. So, uh, Greg, Jake, what are you guys looking forward to on this podcast? Yeah, the same thing as what Sam said, like that going over property designs, but also like as we t get it into each individual improvement, you know, different ways to put in a bedding area or, you know, different ways to, to, you know, steer deer through this part of your property or, or maybe enhance this one area of your property that it's already consolidating deer movement, but let's pinch them down even further. You know, it's di different, different strategies that we use within habitat design to uh, create consistent deer movement on our properties. Like just for like a bedding area, for example, there's a couple, like you can do it a, a few different ways. We'll just go over three. I mean, we could, you know, clear cut the woods, let it come back. You could, you know, girdle the trees, let the sunlight in, let the regeneration fill in. And, or if it's a younger forest, go in uh, with hinge cutting. You know, there's, there's different uh 
tactics for creating just a bedding area, let alone the other habitat improvements as well. So just like different reasons why to, uh, you know, like Greg might want to do something differently than me. And that's totally fine because there's, there's more than one way to accomplish the goal. And so that's kind of what I'm excited to do is like hear your favorites and, or maybe why, like if I do something like why you would not want to do it that way because of, you know, one reason or another, you know, just because I do it one way doesn't mean that, you know, Josh has to do it the same way. He might say, you know, I, I don't want to girdle trees, but you know, I might want to just take them down. So that's kind of what I'm excited to hear is a little bit of a back and forth on, uh, on what we might agree on and what we might disagree on. Like for, like for example, I like miscanthus grass, but Lee, he does not like miscanthus grass. <laughs> so <laughs> that's going to be interesting if we ever talk about screening, because I'm going to go hard on miscanthus. Yeah, man, that's <laughs> really good. Going. I, well, I'm excited well, too. Miscanthus grass. Miscanthus is it's a perennial grass. It's it's a uh, it's a. Uh, I'm, I'm joking. I'm just oh, okay. joking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, there. I was just standing in the middle between you and Lee. That's all. It'll be, okay. it'll be fun to see that debate. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be a good one. I'm, I'm excited to get into not only reviewing these designs, but maybe, I don't know, roasting each other just a little bit or raking each other over the coals just a little bit of like, Hey, I would have handled this differently. I would have done it this way. Why'd you do that? Or, Hey, this is, this is weird. I never would have put that there. Or how do you expect this to work? Or, um, but I'm also super excited to learn from you guys, right? Like really excited to hear why in Michigan, miscanthus grass might be fantastic. You know, here in Georgia, we have some other things that we might use that are a little bit different. Um, Lee in Tennessee, I want to know what he's using. If he's not using miscanthus, you know, what's his, what's effective screening. Although, in his video, was that bamboo they were cutting down? Yeah, I'm not sure what they were cutting down in the down in that bottom, but I think he was using the Northwoods Whitetail HD plot screen to screen off his soybeans. That's right. what he was using in front of his uh, his tower. Right, right. And I think they have what is it? A good bit of Egyptian weed in that. I think it's a hybrid sorghum. I hybrid think. I think sorghum. they do okay. have a separate Egyptian wheat product. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. Greg, what are you uh, what are you excited about when it comes to this podcast and the content we're going to be producing? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I'm really excited about is the idea of like challenging my mindset as a designer and just like the way that I look at the woods and kind of anticipate deer to move through the woods, uh, whether it be naturally or once a design is implemented. And I'm always a fan of, you know, like putting my ego aside and like letting people look at the flaws in something that I'm doing because I just feel like it makes me better in whatever that skill is that I'm trying to perfect. And that's probably what I'm the most excited about um, is just being able to like have my thoughts challenged in like this group setting because being able to talk in a group setting with people that have a wealth of knowledge outside of what I already know is just like, that's just so valuable to me as an individual, let alone to our listeners when they're able to hear it on the complete other end. And it just is going to make the product that we put out there so much better for our future clients. And as we continue to work with our current clients, as we just continue to craft these skills better and better, I think it's all really exciting stuff coming out in the future. Yeah. And that I was going to hit on that point exactly of, of, of constantly getting better. I think that's something we take seriously as a team and something that I think a setting like this is going to allow us to do, not only helping others by teaching them and letting them know what we're doing and why we're doing it in specific scenarios, 
but we're all learning. You know, we're all figuring out new ways of doing things. We're learning from each other's experience. I can't remember how much experience we have all combined. We did the math at one point. Uh, Sam, do you remember that what that number was? I don't know. It was a lot. Oh. <laughs> I know it's over on the website. Um, I know that yeah. on the homepage of the website, yeah. it has all the states and the acres that we covered. Over yeah, 15,000 acres of design. I know that. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So lots of time, but I'm excited to learn more uh, from you guys as well as, you know, maybe be challenged on a couple of things. But uh, guys, that's going to wrap up this episode. Anything we need to leave the listeners with? Well, Josh, I want to jump on that too and, and to say just to wrap things up, I'm really excited for all the different perspectives we have here. I think that uh, as each of us unpacks what we're doing, where we're doing it, uh, and get into the regional specifics of what we have, I think there's going to be something for a lot of different people out there. There's concepts that translate for sure from area to area. And there's some that may be more specific, uh, especially when it comes to timing and strategy and tactics and as well as, uh, you know, seasonal things, what grows, what doesn't grow. And there's just so much to talk about here. And I'm sure we're going to have a lot of fun as we unpack it. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you found this helpful, do us a favor and leave us a review wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And if you want to keep up with us, you can find us on Instagram at whitetail underscore partners, on Facebook, Whitetail Partners LLC, on YouTube by simply searching Whitetail Partners, or online at whitetailpartners.com.